0: Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, featuring guest experts from such global brands as NASA, Salesforce, the Milwaukee Bucks, Staples Professional, IBM, Mutual of America, Zero, and Simon Sinek Inc. The show offers expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to grow and sustain employee performance.
1: Hey, this is Crispy Orling, and in this episode of the People and Performance Podcast, we ask the question, how can HR and leaders support a culture of continuous learning and development? Joining Bill and I today on the show is Toby Kang, speaker, consultant, L&D enthusiast, and former director at Solve Together. We hope you enjoy the chat we had with Toby. If you like what you hear, please show your support by subscribing to the pod and sharing it with your colleagues. Enjoy.
2: Toby, you and I have got to know each other over the last sort of year or so. And that started off because you got involved with one of the Disrupt HR chapters that I, I co-organized. Uh, you spoke at Disrupt HR Norwich in January of 2023, and you did a sterling job, a fantastic job. And on the back of that, I said, Toby, you're so cool and you've got lovely hair. Uh, do you want to get involved and become one of the co-organizers? And you said, no way, Bill. I don't want to hang out with you. So I, I had to had to chase you down until you said yes so now you're involved with that one and also of course you spoke at disrupt hr cambridge in may of 2023 and uh it was shall we say quite an entertaining session we had you go up last because you are the great entertainer my friend uh why don't you tell our listeners a bit about both of those sessions what were some of the learning outcomes and uh, uh, anything else that you want to mention about those sessions
3: well, I'll start with the Norwich one because I think the the Norwich one is a a little bit more straightforward in that it's it's a concept I've talked about for a while. Um, in fact, I, I think I I introduced the concept in Disrupt HR London in 2019 as a like a an idea that I hadn't actually implemented, and now presents you know having implemented a few times now, talk about it at Disrupt HR Norwich, and that's. The principle of using influencers as we see them on Instagram and YouTube, if you look at the principles of the way they community manage communicate, create content, essentially what they do is they change mindsets they they help with skill set development and ultimately influence in their name the behavior of of their following um, and that's not by accident, and essentially what we've stumbled upon is if you do this if you have influencers within your organization that act and create content in the same way, you can change mindset, skill set and behaviors. Um far easier and more scalable than, you know, creating a either a learning solution or using champions or advocates across a business as well. By using these principles, you can do it in a lot more of a scalable way. And like you say, the the talk's out there on the Disrupt HR website, so I won't labor that one too much but disrupt hr cambridge slightly something something completely different in that at the beginning of the year i decided to fulfill a lifelong ambition to to try wrestling um wwe style wrestling uh and yeah embarked on an eight week immersive intensive training session you know doing training in the ring four hours a week for eight weeks, culminating with a show in front of 450 people. Um, And the thing I really liked about that, other than getting to fulfill a lifelong dream, is that that journey, there was no learning content. There was no training videos, generative AI articles. There was none of the stuff that learning and development produces as part of that experience. It was two coaches and a community of and I use that word in- intentionally, 12 individuals who came together and became that community because of the two leaders, the two coaches who got us that space. Now, they have many, many years experience in wrestling um, and will be always much better at wrestling than I am. Um, but what they were also able to do was connect us together as humans with a purpose, with our motivation, uh, and build trust over that eight week period using nothing more than a WhatsApp message group and these two-hour training sessions that happen twice a week. And through then, we we became a group of people that were motivated to work with each other and and share our learning experiences and film each other and watch our performances back. And ultimately, when I look at most leadership programs and L&D you know, programs, they try to achieve some of that, but they try to do it through content. And so that talk was mainly about how can if we take content at the equation, how can you meet some of those objectives? And Roy and Zach, um, whose uh film fighting with my family that's, you know, is about their sister Paige or Soraya, as she is now known in AEW. um, were just absolutely fantastic in bringing that community of people together. Um, and it's, yeah, it inspired the talk. So um, that's the other one you can go out there and watch and figure out how HR teams can, uh, change behavior and mindset without any content at all.
0: The People and Performance Podcast, supported by Fidelo Inc., is dedicated to offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to establish, grow, and measure the performance of employees. If you enjoy the show, why not subscribe and give us five stars through your favorite podcast app?
2: And that's all you'd like to mention about the Cambridge Talk, Toby. Is there anything else that you'd like to suggest thinking, as, a, I, as a reason I, I, for people to tune in?
1: I think I, I heard something earlier about this, but uh, is are we ready <laughs> for that on this on this broadcast? I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Well, um, partial nudity, I think, was the
3: the phrase that you mentioned, <laughs> Bill. Um, I. Yeah, there's a surprise in there. There's a surprise in there That's that I unveil, I unveil my wrestling persona as part of the talk. Uh, so when I did that <laughs> talk, I wasn't doing it as Toby Kang. I was doing it as Kang Kong, which is the wrestling persona I designed and created with the help of my community of amateur wrestlers and the two coaches. Um, there's some GIFs in there as well so you can see me in action if you really want to, if nothing more, to see me in a leotard uh, I suggest you go and watch that Disrupt HR Cambridge talk um, straight after listening to this podcast.
1: So Toby, thank you for that mental image. We are all pleased. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but do do listen to Disrupt HR Cambridge if you can take a listen to it. Uh, everything that comes out of our Disrupt series, their bills and, and Toby's is is great stuff. So I encourage everybody to go do that. Uh, all right, let me switch it, switch back into a little something different. So a uh, question for you. What are some common factors that get in the way of Learning and development initiatives for most people. Legacy and history. So
3: what learning and development do now and in the future should not be defined by what it's been asked to do in the past. So I I go back to workshops and e-learning. Just because they were the solutions that learning and development teams were designing 5, 10, 15 years ago doesn't mean they should be the solutions they're designing today or being asked to design. And I think that really gets in, in the way of progress the the thing we always hang our hat on is is it consumer grade? Would a customer pay for this? Would a customer want to engage with this? And the, if the answer's no, then why is an employee going to engage with that content? Um, you know, that's it's kind of an unfair expectation that because you're at work, you can you it's an accepted um thing to have a subpar experience or some subpar content just because you're an employee, not a customer. We don't feel that's right, and I think the legacy of stuff that has been created in the past is probably the biggest thing that gets in the way and the thing we see time and again with um learning and development teams across across the country and across the world
2: thank you toby toby i'm going to challenge you now in one minute or less uh how can hr and leaders support a culture of continuous learning and development go
3: um so a culture of continuous learning development is almost impossible to achieve because continuous learning and development of oneself is different from my continuous learning development journey is going to be different to yours, Bill. Uh, So, and then you magnify that across an organization. So to expect a huge swathe of people to act and behave in the same way when it comes to learning development probably isn't going to happen. So the best way to enable that is to not try and do it in one big mass, if if you like. And I think when we look at human-centered design and the personas we create, most of the time we end up with five or six personas for an organization when it comes to, you know, learners. And therefore, each of those six personas receive information, want different information, want them in different way, you know, want learning development to happen in different way. So I think that's the best way to support it, is figure out who the personas are in your organization. And personas, as a side note, apologies if this goes over the minute, but are not job roles and teams. These are how, you know, pains, gains, um, mapping the user journey of those personas as well is, is really important. So personas in one short soundbite.
2: As part of our homework, we were going through the soul Together blog and I found a post that you wrote a while back. And it, in, in the post, you say, when it comes to the HR or people functions, data remains a sorely underutilized tool and these functions risk failing further and further behind the ways in which we can use data to advance and people take back the power of their activities. Consumer-facing organizations are using data to make better decisions and this can be easily applied to the world of people management through, you've guessed it, human-centered design. Toby, tell us more. It comes from a case study that I Stumbled across a
3: while about a while back now in in terms of my freeformers days when we were looking at you know the digitization of the workforce and that was a uh, I I believe it was Capital One in terms of the the credit cards they offer customers and through all the data they get through transaction history and how they engage with the communications from that company etc cetera, etc cetera, Capital One again apologies if it isn't Capital One but they were able to um, predict when a customer was going to leave based on all that data. And therefore they were able to deploy an intervention that cust- when that, when they thought that customer was going to leave kind of three months ahead of time to try and convince them not to leave and that was all influenced by the data they had so they were able to able to really interrogate their data and and act on it as a result and it you know might not have been about content in that in that scenario, but it was changing the behavior and mindset of the people very much what learning and development do and I think that's kind of what I was talking about there is that when we look inside an organisation, there is a wealth of data available, human data about who people are and how they how they are performing, um, but none of the dots are kind of linked together to analyse it in any coherent way. Um, if they were, I think we'd be able to design solutions, not just learning but the whole of HR, design things that people want and need and will engage with. It, I've just never... I've I've come across one company I did work with whose customer insight team and employee insight team were the same team. So they kind of amalgamated their HR, a HR function into their marketing function. So the same tools, processes and dashboards they'd used to gather customer data they were using to capture employee data. And as a result, working them was, was amazing because we were able to get insight like never before, and then design with that insight in mind as well—not our hunches or our experience, but with real live data—and that therefore we could measure the impact of some of our solutions as well. So it has a it has a dual impact that you could design better things, but you can also evaluate the impact of those things and iterate as well. And I think that's uh, that's really the North star for us is if you can get to the, where data is concerned, if you can get to there, everything's just become going to become a lot easier. And it's an important thing to do. That's the other thing. It, it tends to get relegated to a nice to do. It's not nice to do. It's must have um, because it's must have in a customer facing world. So it's must have in an employee world as well.
1: All right, Toby, thank you for these responses. It's been brilliant to sit here and listen to, and I've enjoyed it because, Training and development is at the heart of my, my world and has been since 19. Oh my gosh, a long time ago. Um, so, but now we have three questions we're going to ask, um, you and they're really quick questions and they're questions we ask of all of our, our participants that join us on the pod. So here is the first one. In one minute or less, can you share one piece of advice or some direction you were given by a mentor, leader or colleague that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career?
3: It was was when I handed in my notice at a company, actually. Um, And it was just one of those conversations where my leader agreed with me and said, yeah, based on everything you said, you should leave. Um, uh, And she has been a source of inspiration continuously. But one of the things that always resonates in my mind is that recognize what you can and what you can't do. What you can't do, surround yourself with people that can do that stuff. Because... You could try and learn it if you want, and but you 're only one person have a finite amount of time and ability um, so where you where you can 't do stuff or really struggle, get the support to help you do that um and it 's something I forgot at the beginning of the year, and I spent you know a couple of months kind of trying to do everything myself, and then remembered i 'm surrounded by amazing people that can support me with all these things and you know as a result, the past month's been great, progress has been swift and um yeah I feel much better as, as a result so I think that's my uh, call out.
1: Excellent excellent stuff so I appreciate that. All right next question from a culture and people processes perspective what does a high performing company mean to you?
3: I'm super passionate about communities of practice whether that's in a virtual um or IRL kind of world um And also like the principles of working out loud as well. So when you fuse those two things together, like I say, how people interact with each other through technology outside of work is way different to how people interact with each other through technology inside of work. That to me makes no sense because we are all humans trying to explore how we interact with each other through technology and we're expecting people to come to work and do it differently than they are already and the maturity of society and that, the nature of this interaction is way ahead outside the world of work than it is inside and so we can learn from that and so a high performing company to me means a company that's figured that out where they're able to operate IRL and virtually and it's it's kind of like seamless it's just ticking. It's ticking when you, if we have an online meeting, we have a message, we're working out loud, we're doing all of this stuff. Once a company's nailed that, then they are high-performing. At the moment, pandemic, all these kind of things, um mean, it's it's kind of spluttering. Some have figured out parts, some have figured out other parts, and no one's kind of got that complete solution yet. So um, high-performing company means someone who's solved that problem.
1: Excellent. We appreciate that. That sounds brilliant. All right. Last question for you. How can listeners connect with you? I'm on LinkedIn, so you can
3: connect with me. Uh, but as Bill said, I have done a couple of disrupt HR talks this year. So definitely have a look at those. And I've got to do a shout out to some of the speakers that were also at those events as well. You know, As a kind of vehicle for you know new thinkers in the HR industry, I think it's a real cool place to hang out and, and hear some different perspectives. Um, but LinkedIn, 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 that's where you can find me.
2: Toby, that takes us to the end of this conversation. Thank you very much for your time. Chris and I have enjoyed it. You're a good man. Let's do it again soon.
3: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the People and Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, comment and subscribe.